1 tonight, Proverbs 16, verse number 1. The Bible says the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Again, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. Thank you for the wonderful song service. Thank you for grace. God, we, we, we fail, Lord, at trying to describe it, Lord, and trying to accurately give a, a wonderful explanation of it, Lord, but it sure is amazing. God, it took me a sinner and, Lord, absolutely changed my life and changed my eternity. I'm thankful for grace tonight, Lord. It's your riches at Christ's expense. And I'm thankful tonight, Lord, that you paid the price for me, a price that I could not pay for myself. Lord, you paid for me. Nobody forced you. Nobody, nobody pulled your hands into it, Lord. You were a willing sacrifice. And Lord, may we just rejoice in the fact that, Lord, that you saved us and changed our lives. Thank you for what you've done in our Wednesday night services this year. Lord, you've put us in the book of wisdom, Lord, and I do honestly thank, Lord, that we are better for it. Lord, we've walked in wisdom this year. We've gleaned and we've gained, and God, you've given us some insight, Lord, and you've amazed us with your word, how it's been faithful to preach to us every Wednesday night. We ask you that you do it one more time tonight. God, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary one more time, Lord, and simply use me, Lord, for your glory. God, we pray for those that are unable to be here tonight. Would you touch them and help them? And I pray, Lord, for those that, uh, Lord, will maybe listen to this later, God. Uh, Lord, I know it's not the same as being here tonight, but Lord, would you help them through the preached word of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, amen. Now, we started last week, I gave you that interesting title study on preparations. We had that English lesson, and we're not going to do that again tonight, but uh, we are going to look at some more prep, or one more preposition tonight, and it's the word from, F-R-O-M. You find it there in verse number one, and it's one of those things, if you have the habit of doing this, you may know what I'm talking about, but how many know what it means to look up a word in your Bible? Not just necessarily where it is located in the text, but Oh, what does it mean? Where does it come from? And, and, and what is the understanding? And in essence, when I say I'm, I'm looking up words in my Bible, I'm often taking them to the Strong's Concordance and, and learning what they mean in the Greek or the Hebrew or even the Aramaic. We know those are the languages that our Bible is translated from. And we also understand that our modern day vernacular and our modern day, if you want to call it English, is nowhere near what it was in the days of King James and nowhere near as poetical and eloquent as the Greek and the Hebrew is. It's a beautiful language and a lot of times when you do that, God will allow you to see something and get a, a greater insight. So it doesn't change the meaning, but rather gives you a better understanding of what God's word is trying to tell us. That's why, you know, yes, you read your Bible, but we're also commanded to study the word of God, to take these words and see what they mean. And it's always interesting to me, and, 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 and some words in our Bible, our King James Bible, don't carry the same understanding as we would use them today. For instance, the word conversation. Right? What does that mean in modern day language? It means two people talking to one another. They are having a conversation. But the Bible says, let your conversation be known among, among all men or by all men. Uh, the Bible tells me that everybody needs to know what I'm talking about. No, that's called Facebook. <laughs> right? But that word conversation in the old English means your lifestyle. The way that you live ought to be known among all men. In essence, you ought to live like somebody's watching you. You ought to live like you're going to give an account because you are and because somebody is watching you. 
Oh, preacher, you got cameras inside of my house? No. But God knows where you are. And God sees what you do and you can fool everybody else. But how many know you can't fool God tonight? And so we understand that sometimes these words in our Bible, we think we know what they mean. But when you begin to look them up, you'll say, man, that's, that's even better than what I thought and what I understood that word to mean. Uh, and another thing I like doing, I like looking up Bible names. Uh, I can't pronounce 95% of them, but I like looking them up. And some of those that you begin to look up, they're actually rather comical. For instance, the name Leah. It's a beautiful name. It's a short, nice name. But when you look it up, you're thinking, man, what were her parents thinking? What did they see in Leah that they said her name must be Leah? Why? Well, why, preacher? Why do you say that? Because the name means to be calfied or to, as if it means to be tendered out or one who has eyes like a cow. You ever seen a cow's eyeball? They're bulging out. <laughs> They are, you can't miss them, they're there. And Leah's parents looked down at her and said, cow eye. I guess, I guess they were a lot more honest back then than we are now, amen. But then somewhere actually, it seemed like their name was destined for them. Names like Gideon, right? It means warrior, fighter, great uh, soldier in the sense. But when you're introduced to Gideon, he's anything but that. He is in the valley uh, threshing wheat, which is to be done on the mountaintop. Preacher, why is he in the valley? Because he's scared. He's fearful. But we know the end of Gideon's story. It leads those. He became so, he had such great faith in God. He looked at his army and said, I've got too many of y'all. God, wean out the weak ones. And the ones who aren't going to stand in the battle. And Gideon goes and wins a great battle for God. Names like Joshua. Jehovah is salvation. A great leader in the nation of Israel, names like David, which means beloved. We can look at David's life and it is evident that he, one, loved the Lord, but also that God loved him. And we see those things. You look them up and you begin to realize this and know these things. But then there's some words we don't even think about looking up because we know what they mean, right? They're simple words, words like the letter A. Ah, uh, however you pronounce it. The, when's the last time you looked the word the up in your Bible? I wonder what the word thee means. It means thee. <laughs> all, it means all. They're too simple. They're too short. We obviously know what they mean. And that's how I felt about the word from. I know what the word from means. I mean, we just got done with Christmas, didn't we? Matter of fact, you probably gave out some gifts that had the word from on there. It said to whoever it was, and it was from you. You were taking it from your possession and giving it to them. And that's, I understand the word from, but for some odd reason, I said, you know what? I'm gonna look it up. What does the word from mean? F-R-O-M. It's a preposition. But what does it mean? And I, I found no doubt the, the changing of possession, the giving of something from one person to the next. But here's, here's a, a, a definition I found. I said, that's rather interesting. The phrase, because of. In essence, the word from means that you are somebody now has something because of you. In essence, next year when, you, when you're getting your Christmas presents, instead of, instead of just writing to and from, I encourage you to write to so-and-so because of me. 
because of what I have done, because of what I possess, because of my abilities, I am able to give you this gift. And tonight as we look at Proverbs 16, it could be well said that no doubt there are some things that we have that are from God in God alone, or you could say there are certain things that we have because of God. But then there's also some things that we have that are not from God, nor are they because of God. And so tonight we're gonna look at those two things. There are some things that we have that are from the Lord and there are some things that are not from the Lord that we find in Proverbs chapter number 16. Notice number one tonight, the things that are not from the Lord are things that are not because of the Lord. Look at verse 27 down through 30 tonight. You ever heard the saying, I was just born this way? This was just how I was born. I was coming up. That was the mantra of the rebellious crowd. I, well, if, if God didn't want me to be this way, why did he make me this way? Can I say God never designed for you and I, or did he ever desire for you and I to go off into sin? Matter of fact, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. We are the only thing in creation that bears the image and the resemblance of God. We are a triune being. We, we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We identify with the Trinity. He did not make you an eye like the animals. He did not make you an eye like the birds. He did not make you an eye like a tree. I don't care how many trees they hug, they're not gonna become human. I don't care how many experiments they do on animals, they'll never become a human being. We were created different. But the reality is, yes, you and I were born into sin. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by nature. And so when someone steps back and says, listen, this was, I, I was born this way, look back at them and say, that's why Jesus Christ died for you. Because he knew and knows you far better than you know yourself. It'd be foolish to say that God made us sinners. No, it's a choice that we make. It was a choice that was made in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And ever since then, that curse was put on man. It's passed down from generation to generation to generation. And yes, I understand I'm a sinner by birth. I was formed in iniquity in that sense. Is what the Bible says, I, I have a sin nature. That's why you and I, our first response is ever, hardly ever spiritual. Because our natural reaction is not of the Lord, but we also know we're sinners by choice. We choose to sin. We choose to say the white lie. We choose to have the bad attitude. We choose to disobey. We choose, we choose, we choose. And that sin is passed on from every generation. And so tonight there are some things that are present in our life, not because God has brought them from him to us, but rather they are a flare-up of our natural man, of who we are, our, our, our old man per se. They are present in the world because sin is present in the world. Notice in verse number 27 tonight, the Bible says, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil 
to pass. Now we can go down to verse 27, down through 30, and we can say that none of those things tonight are because of God or that they come from God, or God is the author of them, the designer of them, the creator of them. No, these are things that do not come from God. Notice we got some things tonight that do not, what are are they, preacher? First of all, there's a pursuit evil. Look at verse 27. It clearly says, in ungodly, that is opposite of godly, therefore it does not come from God, it comes from this world, it comes from Satan, it comes from our sinful nature in that sense. And we see tonight, well, what is the first thing? The Bible said a man that digs up evil, right? The, the, the word there, diggeth up, literally means to, 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 to go, in essence, to take a shovel, and, and you're not just uh, okay with looking at the surface, but you have a, a purpose in your heart that I'm gonna dig until I'm finding and what I'm looking for. It means to dig up, it means to dig through. It, in essence, is the same idea that if you were to go to Walmart, and you got, you got remember those, they had those big bins there, and they used to sell those DVDs for $5, I don't know if they still do it or not, but when I was younger, I always thought, man, I'm going to find the, the movie that I've been looking for. And sometimes I felt like just jumping into that thing and digging and digging and digging until I found what I was looking for. In essence, the Bible said a desire for a man to pursue evil, right, to get to the place in their life where they are not satisfied until they find it. That does not come from God. That is not because of God. There's a pursuit of evil. Here's the thing tonight. We're all going to face temptation. It's there. We're, you're going to face it. I wish tonight I could say the moment you get saved, temptation says, you know what? Oh, I'm going to leave them alone. Or Satan's going to say, oh, he's, he's saved. I mean, I can't change his eternity. I guess I'll give up on him. Right? We know the opposite is true. And living in 2023, you, you, you really can't live life. And function as a normal human being without temptation being right around the corner. And it's one thing to walk into temptation, to, in essence, to be going through life and temptation to flaunt itself at you. It's a whole nother thing when you and I get up and say, you know what, I'm going to go hang around temptation. I'm going to put myself in a place where I know temptation is just to see what happens. Can I say the attitude's not from God? That attitude is not because of God. There was a pursuit evil. And it's not come, it does not come from God. Notice there, there was sown strife. Verse 27 down to verse 28, rather at the end of it, it says, in his lips there is a burning fire, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. Now here's the interesting, if you look at verse 28, and you go from the latter half of verse 27 all the way through verse 28, right there in the middle is the phrase, a, a man who sows strife. Right, we see the action. Well, how in the world is strife being sown? It's not with our hands. It's not with our feet. Verse 27 talks about the lips. Right, the second part of verse 28 talks about whispering. Let, let me ask you, what body part do you whisper with? <laughs> Come here, let me whisper with my ears real quick. You weird. <laughs> you ain't whispering nowhere near me. <laughs> This, you, you ever met with them little kids that they're whispering, but they ain't? Shh, come here, I got something to tell you. All right, come tell me. I like ice cream. It's not even a whisper. Everybody heard what you said. But notice, what is the source of the strife? It's not an action, but it's words that are spoken. That these words are tied to strife and words that produce strife. The Bible tells us they don't come from God. 
God's not the author of that. We can't say, well, I did that because that's what God told me to do. God told me to, uh, to sow strife. No, you're lying. God is not about that, nor is he for that. Look at verse 27. His lips, uh, in his lips there is a burning fire. Now, fire that is focused is wonderful. Matter of fact, you got here tonight because inside of your engine there is a focused fire. Unless you're driving an electrical vehicle. But you're driving a gas-powered vehicle. You got here because there was a fire that was controlled. Right, when you go to Cracker Barrel and you walk in and you smell that smell during the wintertime, it is because there is a fire that is focused there in the fireplace. It produces warmth. It produces a wonderful atmosphere. It is a good thing. Fire that is focused, right, is a good thing. But fire that is just left to run rampant and to, to go where it pleases and do it, it's a dangerous thing. It's called a wildfire. Right, and we, we realize tonight when we pray for revival, the fire of revival, right, what we are asking is God to take, in essence, the same fire that Jeremiah had in him. Jeremiah said, I quit, but the word of God was like a fire shut up in my bones. It was a fire that was personally had a purpose, and therefore it revived, and the same thing is true in our life. We're not asking God for wildfire, but God, a lot of fire in me. We see here tonight that when our words are, we, I've got to tell somebody. I've got to call so-and-so because I just heard from so-and-so who heard from so-and-so who heard from so-and-so. You're not going to believe what I heard about them. And you've got your wildfire. Now, what started as probably a compliment has now turned into gossip. And now it's spread like a wildfire. The Bible said that doesn't come from God. God's not the creator of that, or that's not because of God. Not only this, but notice verse 28. So we see the, the fire of the lips. We look at verse 28. We see that whisper. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. I wrote this down in my notes. It said, more things, more relationships have been separated by whispers than by shouting matches. Oh, I don't know about that, preacher. I, I, I don't know about that. Let me ask you. You ever, you ever whispered anything underneath your breath? You ever whispered a compliment underneath your breath? Well, I'll tell you what. McDonald's customer service, they got it going on. They're beating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, we whisper what? Complaints, aggravations, <laughs> discouraging words, not compliments underneath our breath. And if we're not careful, that which we whisper, though they may not even hear it, if we're not careful, that whisper will begin to work in our heart and our heart will go cold, our heart will become hard and become calloused. And there's been a lot more families that have been broken up through whispering, a lot more churches that have been broken up through whispering, a lot of, of, of married couples that have been split up over whispers of just aggravation. And instead of taking our hearts and our minds to God, we begin to listen to the whispers. And we see here tonight that those whispers that cause separation amongst chief friends. We're not talking acquaintances. We're not talking Facebook buddies. We're not talking uh, Instagram followers. We are talking people that we are, we are best and dear friends with. And the Bible said that if we're not careful, whispers can separate those things. We see sown strife. It's not from God. We see pursuit evil. A desire for evil is not from God. And then we see verse 29 and verse 30, we see there's planned entanglements. Planned entanglements. Look at verice 29. A violent man enticeth his neighbor. 
In essence, the violent man says, you know what? I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm going to get my neighbor. I'm going to get him riled up because I like a good argument. I'm going I'm to stir up the pot per se. The Bible said that. He goes on to say, a violent man entices a neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Last time we checked, the word of God only leads in one direction. The Holy Spirit only leads in one direction. It is in the truth tonight. And the Bible said that if there's anything that's leading in an opposite way, it didn't come from God. That's not because of God tonight. Plan and take a mind that is set on wrongdoing and constantly devising evil is not from the Lord. Oh, I, I found out a great way to take advantage of so-and-so. Oh, I'm going to get some revenge on them. I'm going to set them straight. The Bible said that doesn't come from God. That's not of the Lord. That's why we're told to switch minds with Christ. Right, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ, who thought it not robbery and made himself you know, lesser and lower than the angels and became a man for us, a servant unto the Father. That Because our natural mind says, oh, I ain't serving nobody. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm big, bad, by myself. I don't need no help. So the Bible says, why we got to change our mind and let God begin to change our mind and begin to change our heart. So we see some things tonight, they're not from God. They're not because of God. Let me ask you, are there some things in your life that you know aren't from the Lord, but you keep putting up with them? You keep allowing them time in your life instead of getting rid of them and getting them out of your life tonight. Notice number one, we see some things that are not from or because of the Lord. Then notice number two tonight, we see some things that are from the Lord or are because of the Lord. I don't know what made my mind think about this, but I, I typed into my, my Google search. I said, how many lottery winners end up bankrupt? I was blown away by the number. 70%. 70% of lottery winners end up bankrupt. I did see a headline that somebody won $2 million here in Hepsibah. It's one of y'all, y'all better tithe off of it. <laughs> But everybody said, well, I mean, preacher, if I just had a little bit more money, we're talking about people who won millions of dollars in just a few years, filed bankruptcy, 70%. Oh, preacher, I wouldn't be in the 70%. They probably thought that too. Then I looked this up. Do you know the average American, you know what the statistic is for the average American that will file bankruptcy? 0.12%. 0.12%. I thought if everybody won the lottery, everything would be better. Well, apparently not. So, well, with that in mind tonight, look at verse number 16, and it makes a whole lot more sense. How much better is it, is it is to get wisdom than gold, right? To get understanding rather to be chosen than silver, right? I don't care how many zero you got. You ever met somebody that you, you'd say this about them? Well, preacher, you know so-and-so, they got more sense than they got money. Or you'd say it this way, normally, they got more money than they got sense, I've never really heard the first one. They got more sense than they got money, right? Because most people who got sense, they seem to be very well with their money, right? They understand that it is they are a steward of God and, and what they has placed in their hand has come through the hand of the Father and it's not necessarily theirs. It is God's on loan and they're using it to glorify him. And we see here tonight that as the Bible says, why is it much better to get wisdom and understanding? Because you can only get that from the Lord. You could go to the bank tonight and get you a million dollars. You just got to sign your name. 
That's my father-in-law's favorite, all you got, favorite statement. All you got to do is sign your name. You can get whatever you want. Just sign your name. You may not be able to pay for it, but you can have it for a little bit. Just sign your name. But there's certain things tonight that we can only get from God or because of God, wisdom and understanding are two of those things. And to be honest with you, once you have those, you realize they're priceless. I'd much rather have God's wisdom than a million dollars. Oh, preacher, you're just trying to be spiritual. No, because I can do a whole lot more with God's wisdom than I could a million dollars. God's wisdom is eternal. And I got to think about this. Wisdom comes from God. Right? The Bible said he is the, he is the source of wisdom. He is the beginning of wisdom. He is the end of wisdom. He is all wisdom. And I got to think of everything that we would say that comes from God, we call that a gift, right? And I got to think about some of the things that God has given me. And I got to think, man, that's priceless. No matter how, everything God has given me is priceless. Let me ask you, could you put a price tag on eternal life? Could you put a price tag on your children? Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. He gave me children. And I can't put a price tag on them. They're priceless. What about a good spouse? He that findeth a wife findeth what? A good thing. You can't put a price tag on your spouse. What about health? The ability to get up and go and do. You can't put a price tag on that. That all comes from God. And wisdom and, and understanding are the same thing. In essence, tonight, when God gives you wisdom, he's giving you something that you can't put a price tag on. It is beyond value for God Almighty to, to take a, a, a look at us and say, boy, here's what they need. I'm going to give it to them because they've asked. And you and I step back and say, this is one of the greatest things I've ever got. I can't put a price tag on this. I can't put a price tag on the value of, that God has put in my heart for the word of God. I, could, I can't put a value on what God has put in my heart for the, the avenue of prayer that we have. These things that God has given us, they are invaluable in that sense. So what are some priceless things that we have from the Lord in Proverbs 16? Verse 17 says we have a path to preservation. Look at verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. That word highway means a raised path. It's where we get our saying to take the high road. Right? We, we have a highway right there. We sit below the highway at South Haven Baptist Church. I remember we were, we were paying that, we, we had to pay that stormwater fee here. And I, I tried my best to argue with the lady. And I said, ma'am, we're, we're, we're you know, a tax-free entity. Uh, we, we don't have to pay property taxes. She, oh, she said, son, it's not a tax, it's a fee. So I don't have nothing for that. <laughs> so besides, I get aggravated with the government. And she said, well, sir, it's actually because uh, to, to help from the runoff of the water from your property onto the road to help maintain the road. I said, ma'am, you have no idea where we are. I said, your road runs off into our property. And she said, well, it's also to help with streetlights. I said, we don't have any. <laughs> what would you do, preacher? I bit my lip and we pay the stormwater fee. I'm scared. I don't want the IRS showing up here <laughs> for that. If I'm going to go to jail, I'm going to go to jail for some cool. <laughs> that word highway, it's a raised path, right? It's, it's a... It's, in essence, it's an expressway. It's, it's, the, it's where you know you're supposed to go. And the Bible said that the fact that God gives you an eye knowledge of a path that we're supposed to go, and this path does not lead into evil, but rather it departs from evil. 
One of the greatest things you'll ever learn in your Christian life is that God does not expect you and I to hang out in temptation. God does not expect you and I to, to grow our faith by going to places that we know we struggle with in our flesh. But rather, God gave us wisdom in the book of Proverbs here in verse number 17. He said, the, the highway of the upright, in essence, the road that every upright man should take is the one that departs from evil. In essence, to run away from it as fast as you can. A spiritual person is not one that can hang out in temptation day after day or pursues in this essence, I'm gonna build my resistance to it. No, the spiritual man says, I am not strong enough for that. I am not smart enough for that. I don't have enough good sense to stay out of that, so I'm gonna run away from it. It's kind of hard to get in trouble when you run away from it. You stay away from it. And the Bible said that knowledge, that comes from the Lord. That understanding comes from the Lord because that's not what the world teaches. That's not how the world teaches it. But not only that, but notice this, a purpose for life. It says it gives us a prepared heart in verse one. The preparations of the heart in man. Preparations means plans. It means arrangements. It gives you a purpose for life. Actions that will be rewarded. Eternal rewards instead of just temporal ones. Think about this, we live in a society that is all about making money. It's all about here and now. Right? What feels good now? How does this bless you now? But God gives us the wisdom and says, it's not about here and now. It's not about a big bank account. It's not about just having things, but you and I are to pursue eternal rewards. Right? When, when, you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to pull out your checkbook. And say, oh, since I'm here, I'm going to write a good check to you, Lord. It's not going to matter. Right? But rather what we have done by faith and what we have done in, in obedience to the word of God tonight, that's what we're going to be rewarded for. In that understanding and that truth, I'm so glad that the Lord was willing to teach you and I that we don't have to live for this world and this world's success, but rather we can pursue something that is eternal. A prepared heart. Let me ask you, when's the last time your heart was settled on eternal things? I've been listening to preachers and preparing my, my, my mind and my heart for this study. We're going to start at the beginning of the new year, the second coming of Christ. And as I listen to these men preach and teach, right, it put, it's put a desire in my heart to understand that one of these days he's coming back. And I want to be found faithful. I want to be found faithful. It's prepared my heart. Verse number one, also some things that we get from the Lord is a proper answer. Look at verse number one. And the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, I feel like we've quoted this verse just about every Wednesday night. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right, we understand that what comes out of our mouth is a result of what is in our heart. And a heart that is prepared by the Lord produces a tongue that is directed by the Lord. We have to ask ourselves, what are we putting into our heart? <laughs> when we talk about this, what, what, are we, what are we putting in our heart? What are we allowing just through our eyes and our ears and through our understanding and our taking in? What are we allowing into our heart and then acting surprised when it comes out? Right? Rather, when we take the time and we, on purpose, we, we say, well, God told me to guard my eyes, to guard my ears, to guard what I'm allowing in, to flee from the appearance of evil. And I remember hearing somebody tell me one time, they said, well, preacher, it's okay if I watch that kind of movie. It's okay if I listen to that kind of music because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and demons can't possess me. And I said, that's not what the Bible teaches <laughs> That ought not to be the heart of the Christian, right? Of, of, you know, Paul said himself in the Romans, should sin continue? God forbid. 
Right, that's just that our, our desire ought to be say, you know what, now that I'm saved, I'm going to live as crazy as I want to because it's okay. The Holy Spirit desires and, and dwells inside of me. But rather tonight, a, a proper answer is one that has come from a prepared, prepared heart. And that's just take out all those bad influences, all that bad stuff. Say, I'm going to stay away from it. I'm going to let the guys make fun of me because I'm a grown man listening to VeggieTales. Right, I, I'm going to be made fun of in the break room because I haven't seen the latest and newest movie. My, my teenage friends are going to think I'm crazy because I don't play the newest video games. Because I know they have an influence on my heart and, and if they're going to influence me in the wrong way, then I, don't, I, don't, I don't need it in my life. It doesn't need to be there. Now, I'm not going to say that, that, that you're not allowed to have fun. Matter of fact, I have, I have tremendous amounts of fun being a Christian. I laugh more now than I probably have ever in my life. I enjoy serving and walking with God, but we also have to realize that we cannot compromise on the truth of the God's word just to be entertained or to have fun. And so we see here tonight that there are things that are from the Lord or because of God, and a proper answer is one of those. And allowing God to work in your life, and he gives you, and it because of his wisdom and his understanding, now you know how to give an answer. You know what the right answer is. You know what you're supposed to say. Let me ask you, are there some things in your life that you know the Lord has given you, but you're neglecting them or not using them to their full potential? When we stand before Christ, I think one of the greatest things we'll be reminded of is what we could have done for God. What he, what he would have done for us and in us and through us had we just been willing and how we lived by faith. And one of these days, we're going to stand before him. And we're going to give that account. And we're going to step back and say, that's what I could have done. That's what I could have had. That's what I could have experienced. Had I just let you? Had I just been willing? Had I allowed the things that are from you to take place in my life? There are some things tonight that do not come from the Lord. We don't need those in our life. And there's some things that are from the Lord. We ought to develop the mentality. I cannot live without those things. I cannot be who God desires me to be without those things tonight. Let me ask you, what things in your life aren't supposed to be there, but they are, and what things should be there, but they're not tonight, and what are you going to do to get that fixed this evening? Let's pray to Heavenly Father.